Hello, we're back again for episode 9 of the Football Shirt Pod and we've got a World Cup winner for you today. Craig Buglis is the man who designed Brazil's 2002 Nike shirt. He's also the creative genius behind a whole host of other classic jerseys and he even designed a Sunderland shirt which, for a Newcastle fan, was not easy. I remember the day they lifted the World Cup in Brazil. I was crying my eyes out because the, just to think that First of all, it was the first ever Nike team that had won the World Cup and I'd actually designed that football kit for them. It just doesn't get any better than that. Craig, thank you so much for for talking to us. Uh, First of all, how how do you actually become a football shirt designer? Um... I kind of fell into it really um, and as much as I started off actually doing men's um, tailoring and fashion at the Royal College of Art um, and at that time I always kind of thought I would end up in high fashion really but when I left the Royal College I ended up working for um, Sonia Raikel, um and a friend of mine from um, the Royal days if you like came and approached us and asked us if I wanted to go and work for Puma um, and at the time it was too good of an offer to refuse because obviously as you come out of university you have, you know um, crippling debts and stuff so I thought right well I'll go where the money is um, but what was nice is I was still working um, for Sonia so I was flying in and out of Paris most weekends doing that job but also doing my job at Puma where I got introduced into um yeah, the kind of sports side of the world, which I really enjoyed because I've obviously been a fanatic football fan and sports fan really for, you know, since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so really it was my first introduction to Puma. Um, and when I was working there, I worked on the Lazio kit and that was basically it. Um, and really that kind of started. But when I was with Puma the first time, it was you know, working on a number of different projects, whether it was running or football or whatever. Um, You weren't as specialised as such. But then shortly after starting at Puma, I'd been headhunted to go and work for Nike. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I mean, as any designer, to be able to work for such an amazing sports brand as Nike, I mean, there was just no way I was going to turn it down. Although I did have such an affiliation with Puma, which we'll kind of dovetail back to, I guess, later through the through the um, interview. Yeah. Um, but it was really once I got to Nike, where my career just went from, you know, me a designer up until where I am today, really, because the, the education and the training that they give us was just basically second to none. It was phenomenal. So just, just to go back to your, your, your at Puma and you kind of... Is it fair to say you sort of stumbled into to designing football shirts, or was it was that your ambition? No, it was never an ambition, really. I mean, I'd obviously stood on the terraces with my dad and loved the idea of it. Yeah. But it was funny. I always thought I was going to be a graphic designer. Okay. Um, back in the early days, and I used to always like I was really into my music, like Stone Roses, Happy Monday, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and basically, I'd gone home. And one of the courses I was doing, and I just says, oh, one of the teachers said I had a flair for fashion to my father. And my dad, being a you know proud northern 
man who you know works on builder sites and all the rest of it yeah. just said oh no son of mine's going to do fashion <laughs> and that was it the next day i went and i says yeah i'll do fashion and um it was great because there was loads of really nice girls in the class at the time as well so i was um yeah i was chuffed so yeah. really stumbling into design never mind fashion yes yeah. uh, never sorry never mind the football kits was kind of a just something that kind of happened but then it's funny because once you start getting the bug for one design, but two, once you start getting into the football kits, it's it's probably the closest thing a, f- a designer will get to score on a goal in front of 90,000 players. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember the day they lifted the World Cup in Brazil, I was crying my eyes out. Really? Because the, just to think that, first of all, it was the first ever Nike team that had won the World Cup. And I'd right? actually wow. designed that football kit for them. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. No one's ever going to be able to take that away from us. The fact that it was the first ever Nike football kit to win, win a World Cup. And, um, you know, the trials and tribulations we went through to get that kit on the backs of them was, you know, was just incredible, really. But then when I was at Nike, I was kind of thinking, well, where's it going to go from here? How how much better can it get? Um, because at the time I was designing well, from basically the year 2000 till 2005, I was responsible for every single Nike kit that came out in that period. Really? Wow. Um, wow. So what a responsibility. Was, yeah, it was. It was, I mean, there was loads of things. And it was funny because I did an interview not that long ago and I was talking through some of the things and I was like, oh my God, I don't think I would even make those decisions now. Yeah. Knowing with putting my commercial head on is, you know, as you kind of go through through the kind of design world, if you like, and the more kind of years you get behind you, you get a little bit more fear with the business side of it all. Yeah. And I was making decisions and, I mean, my God, I, I, I basically changed all of the material we were using at the time, which was knitted polyesters, Yeah. which doesn't sound like a huge deal to most people, but I t- turned it into a woven polyester, which was a huge deal. So woven fabrics tend to be used in, you know, like stretch shirts and that sort of thing. Yeah. It had never been used in a football kit. So I just made that decision pretty much overnight with the support of the team around us and my boss at the time. And I just never really thought about it. And looking back, I'm thinking, oh, my God, the amount of other companies that basically, you know, didn't have that business all of a sudden. Imagine changing one fabric that goes across the entire football yeah. part of Nike's business. I mean, we changed it to a fabric um, from Tory, um, which was this great manufacturer of stretch wovens at the time. And um, I mean, they took the entire Nike business overnight. You know, wow. one minute it was polyesters, the next minute it's stretch woven yeah. uh, polyesters, which, yeah, it was quite an incredible yeah. decision to make so yeah yeah, de- yeah definitely so so what just talk us if we just step back a little bit so you, you're at puma you're mm-hmm. designing the lazio shirt um we spoke into your business partner rob a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. who was also involved wasn't he involved with that same jersey is that right or was it slightly before or after you oh uh, it was before rob um before rob, rob i think, think was still drawn pretty pictures at university <laughs> okay, at that point. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so you, you see you're involved in, in what, the the one Lazio shirt, Nike then like what they see, what you're doing, and say, we want you. And then suddenly, within how long are you are you responsible for every Nike football shirt? Well, it was it was a kind of 
a process of you know going through the business if you like but what 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 happened from once i left puma and went to, to nike um there was a number of designers um you would have graphic designers and i think at the time there was two product designers um and sadly there was a one of the designers who came in with me who was actually a friend of mine at the time is tragically had a couple of serious car crashes and that kept him out of the business for quite some time and i don't think he quite recovered from it all right. um and a long story short that they, they couldn't hire anybody in quickly enough so i ended up taking the full responsibility of pretty much every football kit and that was probably i'd say a year into being with nike wow. so i'd started with them in 2000 by 2001 i was pretty much doing everything really? um and i mean it was amazing it was truly amazing and even to this day i can't straighten one of my arms because i got rsi in it because i was just working so many hours really but i remember there was they used to have what they called an art department yeah. at, um nike and they would help you build the presentations so we would design the football kits and then they would go on to these beautiful on body images and we'd get it all looking amazing for whichever team we're designing and presenting to and um i mean we had it so good because you know, we all used to get on inside work and outside work. Um, we'd just stick the tunes on, they'd be blasting out of the studio and we'd just be staying there till God knows what time in the morning. Yeah. You know, and whenever there was like a big event, whether it was a Euro Champs or whether it was the start of the Bundesliga or the Premier League or whatever deadline it was, we would literally work all hours in the morning till the job was done. Yeah. And then it would be handed over to the PLMs, product line managers, and they would go and present to the clubs. Sometimes we'd go along with them, um, which was, you know, quite an experience. Um, you know, and, and, and that was really how it, how it all kind of came about. So it was sad as much as one guy kind of, you know, had a serious accident. And then, yeah. but, you know, because of that, the door opened for myself. And, you know, being the kid I was at the time, I took it with both absolutely yeah definitely so you so you're so with this talk about the 2002 brazil shirt um that was that was you how, how kind of involved in that jersey were you was it is it 2000 um, is it 2002 was yeah 2002 yeah. yeah that's right yeah i was massively involved um and, and, in and, fact i pretty much designed the the thing myself really? um so I'll, I'll tell you the whole process how it works because it would be selfish of me to sit here and say, yeah, that was all down to me. I yeah. would say 90% of, well, 100% of the aesthetic was down to me. Yeah. Um, and pretty much 90% of the process was down to myself. But, you know, with Nike being Nike, you have a number of people around you that help and support you. And at the time, there was a girl called Tina Grace who was an absolute bookworm when it came to, to innovation. I've only ever met one person who kind of, you know, as, as much of a bookworm and actually interviewed him a little while ago as my business partner, Rob. But there was nothing she didn't know about innovation. Um, and at the time we worked with Nike's AIT group, so we partnered with them as well, which was their advanced innovation technologists. And um, basically what we all did is we kind of came up with an idea of how we thought we would get airflow around the body. Um, so me and Tina jumped onto a flight, went to Japan, did Korea, you know, kind of witnessed when the event was going to take place, what the 
the climate was like, what the players were going to be exposed to, went to some of the grounds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And very quickly we realised there is no way we're going to keep these guys dry. Yeah. Um, because one, they're going to be perspiring from just physically playing the game, but also it was literally like stepping into a shower whenever you came out of the hotel or yeah. an air-conditioned area. Um, so we we knew we needed something different, and that's when the conversation started, when I, I'd found this fabric, and I said, well, look, instead of going down a classical knit route, why don't we go down more of a woven route? Um, and that's when we made the change. And what's the difference between the those two fabrics? What's, what's, what, what, what is the impact on, for the player? Well, one's uber, uber lightweight. So if you, if you can imagine wearing a polo shirt yeah. versus wearing a, a, a shirt shirt. Yeah. So okay. wearing a shirt that you would put a collar and tie on with yeah. you know, versus a polo shirt, that, there's so much more, there's a much different weight um, differentiation. Yeah. So what we were thinking was we wanted the weight really low because we wanted to make the garment two layers. And the idea behind the two layers was to try and create like convection around the body so that airflow would be trapped within the two layers and it would ultimately, you know, dry the player quicker. Yeah. Um, so the idea was these two layers were going to move the air around the body and it would exit via... Um, holes that we created in the garment itself and that was effectively how we kind of came to the conclusion which was a technology called cool motion at okay. the time okay amazing that's incredible that those shirts were very I'm, I'm just looking at it now and it's it's a very different sort of style of jersey wasn't it and and then it was i, I can remember manchester united had a, a kind of similar a version of it is that fair to say that's, yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's very much fair to say. I mean, the reality was the the Man United deal. Um, you know, as 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 Brazil are lifting that cup, the yeah. Man United deal had been signed, sealed, and delivered as far as Nike was concerned, and we'd already started designing the kits. Yeah. So what we wanted to do with every um, Premier team, if you like, um, you know, so I think back in the day it was Juventus. Man United, Barca, um, possibly Inter, I think, at the time. But there yeah. was a cluster of high-profile teams, Arsenal, obviously. Yeah. And we wanted to give them the same technology, but we wanted to make it unique to those particular teams. So yeah. each individual team got a slight variation of that kit, but the technology was exactly the same. I see, um, I see. Because so, I remember, was it Forlan? You're just talking about the two layers there. Uh, and the technology was it Diego Forlan or I I perhaps it wasn't him but someone a United player took the shirt off scoring a goal and couldn't get it back on because they couldn't yeah. quite work out the, two, the, the the double layers yeah well that's right I mean it nearly I mean honestly it nearly never ever happened um, because I remember at the time there was the leadership team were hell bent on getting the product delivered for the World Cup and quite rightly so and I had a bit of a kind of wake up in the middle of the night moment thinking, you know, we need to stitch those two layers together. Yeah. Um, and I think at the time, commercially, we'd just gotten too far. Um, so the decision was made just to leave it as it was. But in hindsight, I should have really pushed for it um, because it happened at the World Cup. There was, I think it was Cafu okay. had scored a goal. Um, and he'd celebrated, took his shirt off, 
and then they were literally on the side lanes and they were literally there with a pair of scissors cutting the line and out <laughs> oh god so i'm sat there thinking oh my <laughs> god what are we going to do and you know thankfully i think it was italy they were playing against and um, cafu was out of position and italy nearly scored so it was one of those moments where i was <laughs> like you. do i even go back to work tomorrow sort of thing you know um but it turned out all right and you know i think the technology had its flaws but ultimately it was it was just something completely groundbreaking at the time and no one else had really been thinking about it but i just yeah. think in hindsight we probably could have done a couple of things just to make it that much better yeah. um yeah it was but, a big, you know. big a big change and i guess it's difficult as well when you're designing a brazil shirt not that i have obviously any idea what goes into it but i imagine when you're designing a brazil shirt brazil shirt there's so much pressure because you know brazil are, are i guess probably the kind of number one football nation um, they were sort of expected, to, not expected to win that tournament, but there was a, a fair bit of expectation around them given what had happened in, in France 98, four mm-hmm. years earlier. And also the other thing is that, you know, see the France 98, was that must have been Brazil's first with Nike, wasn't it? Yeah, that's uh, right. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a great kit and there was the brilliant uh, advert that went with it at the airport. Um, yeah, yeah. It was quite a, a sort of, I don't want to use the word iconic, but I, I'm trying to think of another word like iconic that sort of well, I think it was yeah it was, it was yeah, so, so there must have been a lot of pressure on you in 2002 and, and to come up with something very different that's always a challenge when you've got yeah, you know, very strong, strong colours like Brazil do have well I'll, I'll talk about the colours a little bit in a second but it's funny when when you're doing it you, you just don't even think really you really don't you you know and I think that's why now that I'm kind of away from that world mm. And I look back at it and I think, oh my God, what was I thinking? Why wasn't I really panicking about it? And yeah. you just didn't. You just yeah. you just got on with it. I mean, you know, we, we met so many amazing players and managers over the years and I was never, ever phased by it. It was just, oh yeah, there you go. There's Arsene Wenger or there's Alex Ferguson or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, you just you just didn't get phased. It was just, it was just your job. You just got on with it. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's one of those where, yeah, you just, I think it's only when you get a little bit more mature, you realise like, oh my God, how did I do that? Yeah. So but, what, uh, you, you sort of touched on it a moment or two earlier about going to Japan ahead of the World Cup in 2002. What is the sort of process for designing a short shirt, a big, you know, big high profile shirt? What do you have to do? What's the what's the groundwork you have to put in before you, you even get to choosing the fabrics and the, the you know, the tone of the colours? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, it ha- it helps that you that you're in love with the sport that yeah. you're actually working on, and being an avid Newcastle United fan for me sins, um, you know, I, I I've grown up around football and football culture. It's you know, it's it's part of my DNA. So, you know, to be able to work on some of these things, I mean, it's like whenever anybody asks us about, you know, we keep on referring to it as a job. It's not for me you know what i do for a living it's a hobby yeah you know i love designing things whether it's football kits or jackets or whatever i just love designing yeah so it's um it's one of those things where you've you've got to have an understanding of the sport and i think fundamentally you've got to have a great understanding of athletes needs and you've got to have an understanding where you can talk to an athlete all day about what's right and what's wrong about that particular product or how they train and how they function. But what we do is we think of things that they haven't thought of. So they give us the lowest common denominator 
i.e. you know it rubs here or I get chafing here and we're already thinking about right well what's the solution for that so you start with things around that area then you start around well how do I make them you know if you want to make say Henri faster how do you make them get to the ball quicker so what can we do can we make them lighter so you start looking at things that how do we take weight out of garments Um, then you think of maybe by position or you know, so you you really start thinking about the sport itself, the athletes, and that's really where you start. It's a it, it's basically an equation that you're trying to solve. Yeah. But then, depending on where the the sports are actually being played, they have a significant impact as well. When you're talking about fatigue and you know hydration and all that sort of stuff that you've then got to consider. Um, so that's why we spent quite a lot of time over in Japan and Korea, um, and then. I think also other things to consider is you say everybody talks about Brazil and quite rightly so but I think out of that whole event that we did I was probably getting more goosebumps goosebumps sorry out of seeing um South Korea go as far as they went really um yeah because at the time I was working with a, a great guy actually he still works at Nike a guy called Matt Trasarden and um we'd been talking about what we could do with the graphics and how we could make it look and we thought you know wouldn't it be great if we came up with something where we could get north and south together so there's a graphic which was all based around harmony now obviously it was never ever going to happen but we created this graphic that we thought was all about speed agility harmony all the kind of cues that you know the korean team had kind of talked all about yeah and then all of a sudden they just started winning and winning and winning and winning and you know they, they did really well at the event no one even gave them a chance yeah i mean i was being interviewed at two o'clock in the morning and i got flew over there to do a huge presentation in front of all their fans and press and all sorts i mean you wow. were being treated like a film star and i was you know i was <laughs> just the designer of a football kit but yeah. for them it was just the holy grail yeah, I mean it was incredible. Yeah, they were quite very bold designs, weren't they? Those those shirts, I really like. Well, it, 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 a lot of it came from we, we called it massive color at the time, um, and I've got to again give kudos and sorry for name dropping every now and again, but there was <laughs> you know famous um, Barcelona Netherlands manager Louis van Gaal. Yeah, um, and we were talking with Louis because I got a norm at Barcelona. And then he became the Netherlands manager. And we were talking about, you know, what we're going to do with colours and what we're going to do with the Netherlands and all the rest of it. And um, I basically found a, a, a colour that I, I, I don't know what I was doing. I, uh, looking around my desk one day and I just came across this really bright orange. It was like this fluorescent orange. I thought, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great if we put the Netherlands in that? So anyway, we did the presentation to Louis. Um and I remember the PLM was saying, right, have we got all the colours ready? I was like, ah, but I really want to show them this one. He's like, well, we'll go in easy and see how it goes. So we kind of showed him one colour. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's all right. I says, look, there's this colour. It's a little bit bright. He's like, oh, I like that one. I says, but there's this one. And I put this this bright, luminous orange on the table. And he was like, that's what I want. That's really? the colour. And it became massive colour. So then from that, I think we had... Belgium at the time, the Netherlands, uh, Croatia, um, Korea, Brazil, I think I've got most of them there. And they, all their colours just got completely vamped. 
rakeups yeah. so there were these really bright reds bright yellows bright oranges the only sad thing about the Netherlands, they didn't bloody qualify, did they? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, of course. Oh, yeah, they got knocked out by the Republic, didn't they, in the, the playoff? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So when you, when, when you, obviously you're watching South Korea progress to the semi-finals and then Brazil go all the way and win the tournament, that's, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier, but that's just, that must just be extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I just cannot describe how I felt at that time. I, I, I really couldn't. I just, I mean... I was just, yeah, like I said earlier, I was just in tears. I mean, it, it's just, it's everything you've worked for. It's all the pressure. It's just like, you're like a bottle of champagne. And when the cork comes off, it just, you just go crazy. And it, <laughs> yeah. and it was, it, and I remember I was with a load of my pals and it was just such a, a magical moment. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you do, you do get it from time to time. You know, I remember when we did, uh, the Man United kit shortly after, and it was one of the best ever selling Man United kits of all time. Barcelona's gold uniform. Yeah. I mean, I've not even mentioned the Invincibles. Yeah, you know, course, these are all yeah. pivotal moments in my career where I'm like, yeah. oh my God, you know, I actually did that. And now that I've got a son, I mean, he's, he just he just loves talking about it because he's a football mad kid. And, yeah. you know, I can't believe his dad did all these, these football kits back in the day um, yeah, yeah. so I mean the feeling is it is absolutely incredible and it's it, it's it's probably similar to seeing someone just walk down the street in a in a jacket or anything you've designed it's just such a nice feeling knowing that someone yeah. likes something that you've actually done mentioned that you, you sort of work with the players and the, t the clubs um, when you're designing a shirt what what have been the, the sort of moments for you where you thought I can't believe I'm speaking to this I mean, you mentioned Louis van Gaal there but mm -hmm. other players where you've been talking about you know materials or or colours or uh, any of those kind of pinch me moments in your career yeah I think probably the first time I ever met Arsene Wenger um, yeah I mean I've never met such a such a nicer guy in the whole of football really i mean he is such a gentleman it's it's incredible um he was a really nice guy and really wanted to get involved and really had a point of view on things um i remember clarence seedorf as well he yeah. was also a really nice guy to interview we got quite a bit out of him yeah and um there was another guy can you remember bob van zenden yeah 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 so um I remember I'd been to Barca um, probably a year before and I'd got chatting to Bob Van. He's a really lovely guy. And I'd been telling him at the time, oh, I'm renovating a flat in Holland and blah, blah, blah. And I was just telling him all about it. And then about a year later, I'm walking through the car park to present again to them. And um, I've just heard this guy shouting my name over the car park and here it was Bob and he came over and he says hi Craig how are you doing how's the flat going did you get it sorted and I'm oh, like, wow. oh my god how, how cool is that <laughs> yeah you know what I mean the amount of people that this mega star sees and yeah. you know he had the good you know the good um, yeah. good yeah. nature to say you know the words he didn't and he was great because at the time um we'd been talking about what we could do with Barca because at the time they weren't really performing that well. Yeah. It was when Clive Hurt was there and Rivaldo, I mean, performing not that great. I mean, they weren't winning <laughs> yeah. every single cup they could at the time. Yeah. Um, 
but we started talking about, well, what do we do with an away kit? And I just said, oh, yeah, we should do something really special. And it was Boba Van's idea to do the golden uniform. Really? Yeah. And he, he says, well, why don't we do a gold one? And I says, oh, yeah, you know, that'd be pretty cool. And then lo and behold, we did. And um, I think at the time it outsold the whole home uniform at the time, wow. which is just completely unheard of. Yeah. Um, and that was, to be fair, it was all down to Boba Van. It was his idea. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So the players take a real interest in this this kind of thing, do they? Some do. Some do. Um, you know, you'll get some players that absolutely do, and then you'll get other players who absolutely won't. Or you'll get players who've got, you know, you'll talk to them all day long about the technology and so on and so forth, but there might be a keeper that's got his lucky pair of tracksuit bottoms that he always wears and he has to wear them underneath the shorts so it doesn't yeah. really matter what technology you yeah. give yeah. you know so you do you get some that that heavily are and then then yeah then others that really aren't that interested in but you tend to find the ones that are interested are the ones that become you know like household names basically um you know because they're the ones who you know just see the things we do is is like a tool really you know if we yeah. can make them faster or make them you know be able to see each other as players with you know peripheral vision or whatever else it is yeah. that we might have been discussing you know they're well up for it yeah so you talk a lot about the kind of technology that goes into it and, and we're obviously just discussing you working with the players how much of how how kind of to the forefront of your mind is the, the sort of commercial um uh, kind of impact of the shirt so how much are you thinking about well will fans like this will it look good on the terraces um yeah you think about a lot i mean let's be honest because i mean at the end of the day you you're always going to design something that yeah you'd want to wear yourself um and i think certainly at the time when i was designing for nike i was very much that core consumer so yeah you know you do ha- you do have it in your mind um but then what I would say is I would never compromise innovation and technology for the sake of putting a good shirt out there. Yeah. I just wouldn't do that because really there is absolutely no point. You've got to give the athlete the absolute optimum in innovation at that time. Yeah. Now, what most people know these days is what the players get is not necessarily what goes to the general public yeah so there are other things that we do with football kits that the general public then buy into so whether it's a larger fit or whether it's a slightly different fabrication or whether it's a different way of building the products so a lot of kits now are, are, are welded together as opposed to being stitched yeah um so yeah, so I think you definitely have an eye on it aesthetically. Innovation wise it would never be compromised. But then you've also got other paths you can go down to make sure that that, that, that home support has got that that kit as as close as humanly possible to their to their favourite players really. So yeah. yeah, you definitely think about it. Yeah. Sure. Um in terms of the, the those five years when you were you were in charge of all of the, the shirts coming out of Nike are there any that you look back on you've obviously touched on some of the really iconic shirts the uh, I've used to use the word iconic again but anyway uh, you used it the, the Arsenal Invincible shirt of course and, and Brazil are there any that you look back on and think oh, we didn't quite get that one right um, probably anything to do with Sunderland at that point because I should have <laughs> just turned, turned them in black and white but... <laughs> um, no not really I mean no. it's one of those things where 
you know, when you look back and you, you see the size of the football kits we're doing back there, com- back then, sorry, compared to what they are now, I mean, yeah. you know, even then we were thinking we were making them really slim. Yeah. But now, I mean, you know, the, the, a lot of the players are so much more conscientious about their weight and, you know, yeah. the, 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 what they're eating and all that sort of stuff. So I think you can get a, you know, what you're working with are like physical specimens of, you know, is, <clears throat> thoroughbred racehorses if you like you know they're the yeah. absolute optimum of their their fitness so putting on a skin tight shirt on someone like Ronaldo is no big deal yeah but back in the day when you maybe putting it on well I'm not even say who but <laughs> you know putting it on various players it just yeah. didn't quite look the same yeah so I think maybe some of the looks and feels of the overall fit I would say weren't that great but at the time it was they were, yeah. they were great um so there was never really anything from a football kit perspective, but I do remember one time, this is actually quite a funny story. Um, I remember we'd done the Barcelona gold uniform, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And what we did is they obviously had trackside product as well. So when they sit in the, the you know, in the, te- in the yeah. stands and what have you, in the dugouts. and So all the managers get the, the bottoms, the zip-up jackets and all the rest of it. So we'd made the stadium kind of track jacket in the same gold. Yes. So we never thought, but the following season, <laughs> the same technology, there were the same fabric got translated into all the different teams. So you then had Arsenal, you then had Leeds, you had, I think, Man United at the time. So they all turned out with these bright, like, you know, satin tracksuit jackets <laughs> yeah. in like reds and yellows and all sorts. I mean, it just looked like a disco jacket. <laughs> so we, I remember that all got delivered and one of the PLMs had got one of a few of the members of staff to walk through and just stood in front of us like, oh my God, it doesn't quite translate into some of these other teams in Manchester and Leeds and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was a moment where I think uh, I should have maybe thought that one through. But, you know, it all worked out in the end because I yeah. think what we ended up doing was reversing the fabric round. It all worked out all right. Right, but, okay. <laughs> now, some of these things you just gotta you just gotta do by the seat of your pants because yeah. they're the things that you know will go down in the history books as some of those kids did at that time. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. You, you're a Newcastle fan. You mentioned um, was there ever any chance of, of Newcastle of you getting to design Newcastle's kits, i.e., Nike taking on the Newcastle portfolio? Was that something you ever tried to push for at all? No, not really. I mean, I, I certainly never pushed for it. Um, I think the one we were always pushing for was to get the England contract. Yeah. Uh, and we used to always, every single time we got the opportunity, we were always pushed to do Germany as well. Um, okay. And I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. But with regards to Newcastle, I was very close to joining Adidas before I joined Puma. Okay. Um, and I was, I went, did the interview, was was actually given um, the was given an offer to go there, but then I was also given the offer by Puma, and I decided to plug for Puma. Yeah. But I would have been working on the Newcastle kit, right. and it was that one that slipped away, and I've never ever had the chance since. Um, which you know, it, it's just silly. It is what it is. But um, I did manage to work on an England kit. A number of years later with Rob actually when he was at Umbro which oh, yeah. was quite quite a privilege oh great which um, one was, which was that so it was an oh when was that it was it was a navy blue 
away oh, uniform yeah, with a, like a light blue collar. It was 20, um, 2012, I think, wasn't it? it was yeah, year, I think it was, it was yeah. So there yeah. was that one. And then we did the home uniform thereafter, which I worked with uh, Peter Savile, uh, yeah. the guy who does all the new order. Yeah. Uh, covers and much much more i may add sorry peter if you ever listen to this. <laughs> um phenomenal phenomenal guy what yeah. i mean what a privilege it was to work with him but um yeah it was it was great you know we did this whole concept around multicolor uh, st george's flags and oh, so on yeah, yeah yeah and um yeah it was great it was a great time to work on and obviously you know just was working with my best pal rob so yeah it was always good yeah um, they were really interesting kits at that time from from ombre weren't they? they were quite different and uh quite innovative and but very very kind of classic car. yeah that's right well they've done a lot of work with ito thought but um i think it was a season or two before and ito had done a really good job on 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 a number of the kits and then when i came in i think what they were looking for was just to make it just that little bit more commercial yeah um and they were um and ah and what they could always do with the wake because it you know go through the history books it's always really been white red white red yeah. and every now and again there'll be a blue kit thrown in there or a light blue kit yeah and i just felt at the time i just thought you know if we could do something in a really dark navy with paying homage to it a little bit as well yeah it could be really nice and it actually out of all the kits that i've ever designed i think that's the one that translated so so well into the commercial arena because yeah. i think you know you could rock it with a pair of jeans and it, and it looked yeah. great yeah um you know so i think from a fan perspective i think we absolutely nailed it with that kit yeah yeah and you, you're talking about uh favorite shirts so which is the, the one for you that, that you sort of cherish the most that you're involved in the uh the creation of um well I, it's it's got to be brazil it's got to be the barcelona yeah. gold uniform the invincibles yeah. yeah um but i would say one that that i quite enjoyed was um I'm sure you know, but Juventus historically used to play in pink and yeah, um, yeah. they'd never had a pink uniform for quite some time. And at the time we'd been working with the fabric manufacturers and we managed to do it like a hound's tooth check yeah. on this pink fabric. And it was really quite, I mean, other than the Italians, there wouldn't have been many teams that would have pulled it off yeah. um, but we did this really beautiful away kit which was this houndstooth check in a pink and um, I think it was Justin Timberlake actually went on tour and took the kit with him and was actually singing on yeah. stage with it on at one point so Amazing. that was quite a nice one yeah yeah and are there any shirts that um, you sort of wish you'd designed I guess I'm probably asking what is your favourite football shirt probably that you haven't designed but are there any that you really think oh, I wish I'd, I wish that had been me that had come up with that um I love the Peruvian kit yeah. with the sash across them and the yeah. simplicity of that. I yeah. love those. Um, obviously, I've got to put Newcastle in there as well. Yeah. Um, and I would say probably some of the early Netherlands kits, yeah. you know, back in the day. I'm like, I, I really love the retro side of of, yeah. of, in the simplicity of some of the kits yeah. and I think to be fair that's why I'm probably you know a big fan of the way that Nike takes its football kits because they are really simplistic but yet there's lots of technology in them Yeah. Um, and yeah I quite like a lot of the retro kits but 
I would see if I could get the chance to do the Peruvian kit. I would, yeah. I would go for that. I would yeah. see. And what? Why is it you, you're mentioning there about um, your your sort of love for the retro shirts? Why do you think football shirts are so popular now, and there's such a, a clamour for for the vintage jerseys? I think it's no different from your favourite piece of music. Yeah. You know, if I put on a certain track, it just transforms us back to when I was a kid. You know, with my mates or what have you, and football kits are exactly the same. Yeah. You know, you remember those moments whether you were sat on the terraces or whether you were sat in a location watching a team or whether it was a memorable moment. You know, everybody can remember the kit that Cantona did his kung fu kick in, and yeah. you know, there's there's those pivotal moments in your life that you remember these things, and I think those kits are just nice little golden nuggets of of your history, really. Yeah. So for me personally, it's, you know, why I get, you know, nostalgic about football kits is just because of the mem- memories that are associated with them. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't tend to be that many happy memories when you think of Newcastle <laughs> kits for the last 14 years. But, um, you know, I can certainly tell you that the, the Newcastle kits that I remember from the Sir John Hall era. Yeah. You know, when we were, you know, one of the best teams in Europe at the time. But yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, w- and what about the current current football shirts? Because there's yeah, you know, there's been a bit of criticism, you know, sort of late noughties, early twenty tens about some of the um, you know the perhaps the conservative shirt design, and mm-hmm. it seems like that's changed the last couple of years. Um, does the design seem to be much bolder and yeah, a lot of nineties and sort of uh, Y two K references? What 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 do you make of the current crop of football shirts? Yeah, I mean, I think some of them are some of them are great. I think um, what's now coming through, and, and not just in football, I just think in in design and fashion in general. I think people are now starting to be a lot more expressive. Um, I think we went through a period of of just companies and 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 boards not prepared to take the risk. You know, yeah. they were yeah. riding the crest of a wave. The build. The, the businesses were doing well and I think it's easy to go back to what you know but as soon as someone challenges that you know it becomes a little bit uncomfortable but I think we're now in a position where you you just have to keep pushing forward I think if if this whole scenario that we've we've been in in the last sort of you know what it's almost nearly a year now when you think of what's happening with COVID yeah you know I mean I think unless you're prepared to take risks and give a different experience to consumers yeah, I, th- I think your company's just dead and yeah. I think that's going to that's going to show and I think you know football and football kits is an expression of that and it's, it's great to see some of the things coming out now and the innovations and you know as I said earlier on in, in the interview there's a good pal of mine still works at Nike and I'm forever saying listen Mark that's such a great kit mate you've done really well and yeah. you know um, so yeah I mean I think a lot of it's to do with with people are just being a lot more experimental and expressive now, and there's just a new crop of designers coming through, and and you know these big sports brands are snapping them up and yeah. making good use of them. Are the clubs ever a bit conservative? Because I, I spoke to Neil Hurd a, a couple of months ago, um, big football shirt, uh, well expert, um, and he was saying that often the clubs are a bit kind of nervous about some of the designs that that uh, manufacturers will present them with. And that they're perhaps sometimes a bit conservative, particularly the bigger clubs. Actually, he said, 
Um, is that if you did you find that in your experience? Oh God, yeah, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. He's absolutely hit the nail on the head there, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember, you know, whenever we used to present a David Dean at Arsenal at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was forever shouting that we're literally throwing things at <laughs> if we turned up with really? colours that weren't aligned to his right. to his vision of what Arsenal were about. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think what tends to happen is. When it comes to the home uniform, it is the holy grail. I mean, you would never, ever do anything with Barcelona. You might get away with changing the stripe yeah. direction, yeah. but you're never not going to give them a version of a striped shirt, whether it's a half-half or whether it's a stripe or whether it's a yeah. vertical, horizontal. It'll always have to be versions of that. It'll always have to have those two colours. And I think if you think where Barca has been probably in the last seven years that's a good example of how nike have managed to push them you know they have had horizontals they've had checks they've had yeah. quite a few variations on it yeah so they've got away with quite a bit i would say but you know i think as long as you're respectful to the club and its fans so for example you don't turn up to man united and give them a blue away kit yeah you know or like a light shall i say a sky blue away kit then yeah you'll be fine. So I think you've just got to respect the team, the fan, the traditions. Um, but yeah, they're definitely conservative. You know, it's got to be a Man United red. I mean, we were forever changing the Pantone colour references. You know, it's a book yeah. of colour that we use to distinguish the different shades and stuff on yeah. selecting colours. And we used to always have to turn up if it might, it might have been, I don't know, let's say, racing red or whatever it might be called and it used to always have to be changed to man united you know red or the champions yeah. red or whatever it might be yeah. um so yeah you've got to kind of you know brush their egos a little bit and make sure that they feel comfortable about it all but i think you know you'd have to be pretty insane to be you know super disrespectful unless you yeah. know it was a team you didn't like like Sunderland and you turned <laughs> up with black and white stripes no, I mean, even then you never tried to get in a black uh, black and white up with Sunderland oh, away, I, I, honestly I, I've, I think if I dug through my boxes of um, <laughs> you know memorabilia that I've yeah. saved over the years I'd have, I can't even remember the chairman's name at the time yeah. but he'd wrote me a letter saying you know, Craig, the, the football kits were so pleased with them. They're absolutely superb. Really like them. Thanks very much. He says, the only concern I've got is the black and white training gear you give us. We can't get away <laughs> with that. And I was like, yes, get in. <laughs> so that was probably the only time. And to be fair, it was, it was probably a little bit of an error on my side rather than trying to do it deliberately. I yeah. think it was just more a case where there was probably more black and white than there was red. And yeah. it probably was a little bit too um, sensitive about yeah. it, I think. But yeah. no, it's, it's all about respecting them. You know, you've got yeah. to. Um, yeah. That's what it's about, really. Brilliant. Craig, I could literally talk to you and quiz you about football shirts all day, but I'll, I better let you go because uh, we've, we've had a good hour of your time. So thank you so much for, yeah, for talking no to me, Yeah, it's been it's a ab- pleasure. Absolutely fascinating and really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, bring back some memories. So thanks very much for it and all the best.